0: It's a blessing to gather together for worship, isn't it? It's wonderful, and I'm, I'm thankful for the time to sing with the leadership from the band, from the choir. Uh, you, you should know that um, for me, uh, because I have to preach the sermon every week, uh, what the choir sings in the anthem, that's my sermon. That's, that's, so whatever is there, that's the proclamation that, that I get. So my sermon every week is listening to a choir. My prayer every week is when I'm praying and praising uh, the Lord, as we did in the first couple of songs we had today. I just want to tell you how thankful I am to be here. What a great place to be. A great time of year to be here, and a great community to be a part of. I'm so thankful. So thankful for all of you. Now, Um, We want to continue in this series called Vitality, Rest, Renew, and Reset. And today I want to talk about community. Talk about what it's like to be a a part of a community together. And we're going to talk about that from a text that you likely may not have read before from the book of Zechariah. It's the second to last book in the Jewish scripture, what we commonly call the Old Testament. This is from Zechariah chapter 8. And it's a beautiful picture that Zechariah paints here as God speaks through him about what the future of God's people are going to look like. Now, specifically in this context, it has to do with the Jewish people who have been in exile in Babylon for 70 years almost, and they're returning to their city of Jerusalem, finding it occupied by other people, finding their ancestral lands being farmed and lived on by people that are not part of their family, strangers, Their center of worship, the temple in Jerusalem, has been destroyed, and nothing is there. This is a city and a place in ruin. And in the midst of it being in ruin, God speaks through the prophet Zechariah. And let's hear the first part of what he has to say about a a connecting God, if you will. It says this in Zechariah chapter 8, verses 1-3. to We heard it read a moment ago. The word of the Lord of armies came, saying, the Lord of armies says this, I am exceedingly jealous for Zion. Yes, with great wrath I am jealous for her. The Lord says this I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem will be called the city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of armies will be called the holy mountain. When we read this language that God speaks and, and brings forth through the prophet Zechariah, it sounds like God's a little uh, angry. It says that he's jealous for his people. And while we can sense the ups and downs of those emotions and what it's like to be jealous and what it means at times to be angry with jealousy, I want you to read beneath the surface there a little bit. And what the text is trying to describe for us is the deep and clear passion that God has for God's people. That there's nothing that God wants more than to be in communion and connection with people. That there's nothing that God longs for more than to be in these types of life-giving relationships with people. This is ultimately the gospel we proclaim in Jesus Christ. That God has sent Jesus into the world that he might live, die, and be resurrected all out of a longing for us to be his people. God has expended himself so that we might know Fellowship and love with Jesus. Literally, friends, Jesus has paid it all and has gone to every length and every expense to love us, to be in connection with us. That's what this text is telling us in these opening verses, how much God longs for us to be his people. It says in this text that the city of Jerusalem will be called the city of faithfulness. And the faithfulness that's being described, of course, is as the people would hear it, they hear it in kind of their own sort of way, with their own lens, that it's our faithfulness to God. I might suggest to you that the real faithfulness in the story is God's faithfulness to us. Just like we proclaimed a moment ago in song about the greatness of God's faithfulness. When we close this worship today, we're going to proclaim the greatness of God's faithfulness. That oftentimes what happens is we center our own faith and our own experience of god at the center of our lives and in doing so we commit a quiet sense of idolatry what's central in our lives isn't our faithfulness to god it's god's faithfulness to us god's abiding love that never ceases never stops never abandons us never leaves us that's what we celebrate now how awesome our faith is but how awesome God's faith in us and in this world and who we are happens to be. But there's more to it than just a God that wants to connect. There's a a connection that happens between people. And in two verses in the middle of this text, I find a couple of verses that I find some of the most beautiful in Scripture. Verses 4 and 5. Here they are. The Lord of the army says this. Old men and old women will again sit in the public squares of Jerusalem, each person with his staff in his hand because of age. And the public squares of the city will be filled with boys and girls playing in its squares. It's the, the vision given to the prophet of the city of Jerusalem that's restored. What we know as followers of Jesus is that this image of a Jerusalem restored is a, an image of the kingdom of God and the reign of God and the place where God rules and is present. The writer of Revelation, John, uses many of these symbols to describe the reign and rule of God. This new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven. It's this description of a heavenly experience where there's old men and old women in the square. They're so old they have sticks to walk. And in the same place, you'll hear the sound of boys and girls playing together. Isn't that a rich image of what God is calling us to live into? Now, I want you to meet, on the slide before this one, a guy named Bill Nangle. He's 87 years old, and he lives in an assisted living location in New York. And he loves to play chess, And what he found is that after he had played chess with everybody who lived in the assisted living community, and they had been beaten by him every time that no one wanted to play chess with him anymore. So he would sit at a table with his chess board out, and no one in the community he lived in would come play chess with him anymore. They were tired of being whipped by him. So he made a phone call to the local high school, to their chess club. And so what began to happen is that kids in that high school in the chess club started coming over to the assisted living location and sitting down with Bill in this picture, playing chess with him. One of them actually beat him. In many ways, when I see this picture, it it reminds me of this text in Zechariah, that the old men and the old woman will be gathered in the square with their walking stick. In this case, he's in a wheelchair and that there are children, boys and girls, playing together. Now, there's an important word for us to hear today, and I want to just pause for just a moment and talk a little bit about our church, our community, in light of this text in Zechariah. So let's talk about this verse. It says that in the city there will be old men and old women in the city square, and they all have their walking sticks with them. So let's be honest. When we look around our church, what do we see a lot of? Old <laughs> look, there's, there's all sorts of dialogue all of a sudden. This is remarkable. <laughs> Have I touched a nerve? Yeah, there's old people here. And like a lot of churches, a lot of churches in 2023, there's a lot of old people in churches. I'm becoming one of them. There's a lot of old people in churches. But I want you to hold on to this text. What does it tell you about this great city of Jerusalem that there'll be old men and old women gathered where? In the public square, and that they'll even have their walking sticks with them because they're sold. So in Jewish culture, to have people that old in your midst meant that you were tremendously blessed by God. I would suggest to you that as a congregation, the fact that we have old people, yes, not older, I'm not going not to sugarcoat it, we have old people in our church, that that's a blessing from the Lord. That there are many of you in this church that have been faithful to the Lord for decades in this space. Many of you in this congregation met across the street when you were students at Seattle Pacific University, which was then Seattle Pacific College, maybe, and here you are in your 80s, still here. What a witness to God's faithfulness. Hold on to this text from Zechariah. The vision we see of our church is a vision of the old in safety. They're saged, they're wise, They have a place of honor. Yes, honor. Remember, there's some commandment about that, isn't there? Honor your father and mother, for your days will be long upon the earth. So, we have the young. I'm looking at some of you. You're usually sitting in the back. I see you. We have the young, and as we look around our church, we sense the need for the young to be present in our midst. When I came to this church almost a year and a half ago, what I heard from our leadership team so clearly is that we want young people in our church. And oftentimes when we hear that, we think that having young people means that we have young people to the exclusion of older people. And sometimes when you have a congregation of older people, young people come and they're like, oh man, I don't know if I really fit in here. I don't know if this is a place for me or not because I don't see a lot of young people here. Friends, the vision of Zechariah is clear, isn't it? That what is it that this Jerusalem has in it? Old men and old women, some of them sold, they have a walking stick to get around. And it has children, boys and girls, playing in the same area. The vision of our church isn't my vision or the leadership's team vision or anybody else's. For me, it's somewhat of the fundamentals of a biblical vision. And in a biblical vision, we're a multi-generational church that has many different facets and ways in which we're engaging with people in the world, You see, the vision of our church is a church made up of generations of people, not just one. There's quite a few churches that seem very cool and innovative. They have nice lights and smoke machines, and they're able to reach young people, and they do it well. But if I walked into those churches, sometimes they would look like the exact inverse of this place. Lots of young people, but no old people. We have to build a church where old and young are in it, where they find ways of connecting and relating together and engaging with one another so that this becomes a multi-generational sort of space. And at the space we're in right now, that's going to take some work. So let's talk about that work. This is the last piece I want to share with you before we have our time between two candles. In connecting together in Zechariah's day, the people who heard this vision from Zechariah, it's right after the exile. They've come back to the land. Their ancestral homelands are occupied by somebody else. Their temple's destroyed. Life is in ruins. They're in a socioeconomic meltdown and crisis as a people. And so when Zechariah tells them, hey, the Lord says... That one day there's going to be your old men and your old women in the city of Jerusalem. They're going to be so old they need walking sticks to get around. And there'll be boys and girls playing together in the same space. And if you're anyway like those Jewish people of that day that Zechariah was doing ministry with, they would simply look at him and say, No chance, Zechariah. That's not going to happen. Churches decline and close. Is the destiny of this room to be a pizza place that sells beer? That's the fate of a lot of churches. The people ask this important question. In ver- well, the people have this cynicism, and God responds to them in verse six of this text with a question, and it's rhetorical. God says, Is what I've just described to you. Is it too difficult for this remnant? God is almost chiding them in the midst of their cynicism and doubt, their disbelief that something could happen in a place that seems so desolate. That was, what was so beautiful about the, some of the, the worship music we sang this morning is it proclaims this truth in Zechariah. It calls into question the fact that we, do we believe that God can redeem our pain? Do we believe that God can bring new life? Do we believe that God is faithful and can do the work that God has said God will do? Is it too difficult? Friends, I'm looking at you. Is it too difficult for God to help this church be vital and grow? You did not convince me. I'm not going to ask again. It just means we have more work to do together. More work to do together. But listen carefully. Verses 7 and 8. The Lord says this, Behold, I'm going to save my people from the land of the east and the land of the west. I will bring them back. They will live in the midst of Jerusalem and they shall be my people and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. What a wonderful passage of Scripture. How beautiful it is to sit in that text and the promise that's there. Our work is not about better lights, better shows, better smoke machines, better looking preacher. It's about connecting with Jesus it's about being with him because that's what he longs for and that's what we long for we have to long to be connected with Jesus so deeply and in many ways nothing else matters because if we get that right then everything begins to matter. It's about being in connection. It's about being in relationships. It's about being together. It's not about being a congregation of likeness. It's about being a congregation of diversity. Diversity of age, diversity of culture, diversity of racial, ethnic tradition, diversity of people in this place. That's the vision that God has for us. And the only way we do that isn't by doing cool programs. Like I'm going to do the youth group this coming Wednesday night with Bettina. I'll try to make that cool, but come on, I'm 55 years old. (laughs) We do it through relationships and being connected with each other and being connected with a God who wants to connect with us. This Tuesday night, we're going to be teaching the first of eight classes on how to be in our church's small group ministry called Connects. And if you'd like to be a part of that experience so that you can learn what it's like to be in a small group, be in a community with relationships, I put a sign-up sheet on the Welcome Center. When you walk out the center doors, turn to the right, there's a table there, and there's a sign-up sheet you can just sign up on that you want to come Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. Eight weeks, first class, last class are in person. The other six are all on Zoom. But we'd love to see you. We'd love to see young and old find ways to be together in community. And there are some simple ways to be in community, like eating a meal together. Tonight, there's a dinner that the pastor's hosting at his house, if I can speak about myself in the third person. (laughs) There are four seats left open for that dinner. There's another sign-up sheet in the back. I invite you to put your name on it and say, I'd like to come to dinner. We're having chili. Hope you like it. It's just a time to be together. I'm not going to ask you to give money. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to buy Tupperware. It's just to be together. So at least here in this church, maybe at my house this evening, young and old, can sit around and be a little snapshot of this picture from Zechariah. Today is an important day for us. It's a bittersweet uh, day in the life of our church. Pastor Stephanie, who has been with us for about two years now, this is her last Sunday with us, and wanted to have a time to honor and celebrate and give thanks for the ministry God has done through her over these two years. And so this Sunday, the testimony that I'd like to share with you between two candles is Pastor Stephanie. Why don't you come on up? So we recognize that today's your last day in ministry at this church, but it's not your last day in ministry. No. There's lots ahead. Yes. And good seasons to come. So when you came here two years ago, in your estimation, right at the end of the pandemic, well, kind of even iffy if it was the end. Mm-hmm. How connected do you think this church really was?
1: Um, I think we all thought it was the end of the pandemic, but we were still very much in it <laughs> at yeah. that time. Um, and meaningful connections were not really there. There was an online service. We had just started meeting in person. And um, I think it was almost like we were starting over in many ways. And I think we needed a time to connect outside of Sundays, Sunday service, uh, a strong discipleship system, and I kind of think we just needed some fun, <laughs> we needed something to celebrate after many years of isolation and, and pandemic.
0: Yeah, hard for us as a church to, to resort ourselves like it was a lot of churches, being so disconnected for so long, and then... Mm-hmm kind of coming back together, it it could have been confusing, and it was, even for this church. So um, as you've been here over the last two years, what would you say were the easiest connections for you to make? And I'm going to encourage you to think Mm multi-generational in that space. I'd like to hear that.
1: Well, I had a unique position when I started here that um, for those of you who have been around here for a very long time, you know the awesome family that I'm married into. Um, And many of you have watched my husband grow up here, which much to his chagrin, you've told me many funny stories that I now know. (laughs) So thank you for that. Um, And so when I got here, I actually knew some people. I didn't know people very well, but I, I mean, some of you had been to my wedding, so <laughs> I knew you, and it was nice to, to know to know some familiar faces and to be known to a point. So those were easier connections, but um, there were a few people that I just instantly clicked with and now are some of my closest friends, and that was really wonderful. And that is, I mean, there are people that are my age in that, but there are people who are who are older and younger. As well. Um, and it took some time because with kids, it takes time, consistency, but I was able to connect with the youth and the, and the kids of this church and with the North Queen Anne um, childcare. And no offense to all the adults here, but they're the ones I'm going to miss the most.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's where you've spent the most time. Yeah. It's been an important time that you've spent, especially in North Queen in childcare with chapel time mm-hmm. every week. I mean, those, when I walk around the campus with you, every single one of those children know who you are, Yep. and they shout your name when yep. we walk by. Yes. So that's a connection that's easy to make. Um, I have a harder question. Mm-hmm. What connections were harder to make?
1: There were some people who were guarded, and I think that showed up in a couple of different ways. There were some people who, a few people who had very specific expectations of what needed to be done and how it needed to be done based on how we've done things in the past. Mm. And so when and if things changed, there was a guard that went up and there was no more relationship really to be had mm. or involvement sure. from, from those people. Sure. I think another one was just vulnerability, and this goes for all across the age board here of there are some people who are more willing to be vulnerable than others and you can't really have connection without vulnerability and so for some reason or another there was no openness there and so it was hard to connect
0: okay i want to build off of this question a little bit more you know in, in part of this sermon i was talking about the connection god wants to have with us the connection we need to have with each other and mm-hmm. then how all that works a little bit together. So sitting here today and looking into the future, and looking into the future specifically of this church, how would you describe the promise and the problem of connections at this church in the future?
1: Well, I feel like the promises are sitting in this room and on, online. It's the people. You all are pretty awesome. I don't know if you know that, but <laughs> um we have some incredibly gifted and caring and loving and generous people here at FFMC and in this community. And that is the real church. People aren't changed by the institution, by this building, they're changed by each and every one of you and the connections that they have and God working through you. So we're all, we have what we need. You have what you need. It's all of you for those, for, from helping this church connect to Jesus, helping the community. You have what you need.
0: Okay. So what will you, what do you hope happens in the future?
1: I didn't answer the...
0: the... Oh, you want the other part?
1: I mean, I the, the can. The problem end. part? The problem part.
0: <laughs> Tell them.
1: Okay, so I hate to say it, but my answer is the same for both. Also The people as much as I think we should do life together and that it takes people to change and relationships to change other people, uh, we can also mess up and hurt one another. And it's never fun. It's never fun to be the person being hurt. It's never fun to hurt, be the hurting person. Um, and I have been to many weddings and people writing their own vows and for some reason they always put in I promise I will never hurt you. I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, that one you're probably not going to live up to. But <laughs> it's it's not fun. It's it's a part that can be scary and it's a part that can make you not want to be open and making connections and have relationships. But it's also a really wonderful opportunity to show the love and the grace that God has given each of us to another person. And that's how you change people with relationship.
0: So as you think about the future of our church, um, and as we navigate from here onward, what final encouragement would you share with this community?
1: I hope that First Free Methodist Church is known to everyone as the people who show God's love to Seattle and to the world. I hope that when you say that you're a part of this community that people go, oh, that's the church that uh, works with foster families and foster young adults, or you know, someone brought a ministry meal to me when we were going through a really hard time and that meant a lot, that was really helpful. Or you're the church that has all those fun events that people can come to and connect with each other on. I hope that if you're a part of this community and call yourself a Christian, that you hold yourself to a higher standard. And that standard is showing everyone around you the radical love and grace that God has given you.
0: It's a good word. Good word. After worship is over this morning, we're going to have a reception for Pastor Stephanie over in the Upper Fine Center. And if you have no idea where that is, you know, we'll walk out the doors to the sanctuary to the left and wrap around the uh, hallway here and across the, the uh, hallway down to the Fine Center. That's the building next to us. And up there we have cake, including gluten-free cake. And uh, we'll have a time of giving thanks and celebrating you in person. But before um, uh, we do that, we want to have a time for prayer with you. And this morning, Pastor Stephanie is going to be celebrating Holy Communion for us as well. And so um, I think it's appropriate that we pray a blessing on you uh, this morning before you lead us in Holy Communion. So we're going to do that by standing up. Okay. Follow me. And we're going to walk out here. Sorry, Jade, you're going to have to move the camera. (laughs) And we want to have prayer for Pastor Stephanie. Evan, will you come join us? Thank you. And let's gather around let's just lay hands on these two and bless them. Lord, we give you great thanks for pastor stephanie for the the work and energy and effort that she has poured into ministry in this place fulfilling your call and living out god the work that you have invited her and welcomed her and empowered her to do so god we we just give you thanks for the gifts that you have given her for the ways in which you have blessed her we're thankful for her children her family for her partnership with evan for the ways in which, God, you have worked in their life over this season. And we entrust them to you in this next season of their ministry. We look forward, God, to the great things that you will do, how your gifts will be released in each one of them, and how your anointing will continue to follow both of them as they share in the work that you have called them to do. And so, God, we, we give you praise and thanks for your goodness that has been revealed in Pastor Stephanie's ministry in this place. That this day, Lord, we release her from that ministry in this place as a way of blessing her for the season that is to come next. May it be a season of abundance and fruitfulness. That in every way, may your spirit be evident in her life and in her work so that she might glorify and magnify Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. 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 You'll have time to... Be with Stephanie, Evan, and family after worship in Upper Fine Center. And so I'm going to invite you all to be seated. And Pastor Stephanie is going to lead us in Holy Communion this morning. You know, Usually we don't put flowers up on the uh, communion table on a Sunday. But today we do because that's one of our gifts to Pastor Stephanie are those flowers. Thank you. So Pastor, lead us well.
1: All right. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, he gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you, this is my blood of the new covenant, pour it out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father...